You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This, this is, is, is Kickoff in the Valley. Now here's your host, Tyler Vazquez and Gunnar Jackson. Welcome into the kickoff of the Valley podcast covering your Arizona Cardinals. My name is Gunnar. That is Tyler Vasquez. Going to be chatting about this Arizona Cardinals game coming up on Sunday as they play host to the NFL's lone undefeated team, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, 125 at State Farm Stadium. Tyler, what's up, man? I always love the midweek show because we get to dive back into the game that was, especially for me, like, we're always so busy on Sundays, whether it be home games or away games, that I don't get to see everything. So I really love this episode, Gunner. It's probably my favorite because we can look back on things that that I may have missed or have came out since. And then we yeah. get to look ahead it is also my favorite part. We get to dab a little bit into that next game. And you just mentioned it, the Eagles rolling through town. Well, I mean, you're a busy guy on Sundays, dude. You got season tickets. And if you're not in the stands, you are uh, hosting like a viewing party. You know, for those away games, or you're at the away game. You know what they say? They say, make what you enjoy your job. And that <laughs> is uh, because then you never work a minute. Isn't that like the saying or something yeah. like that? You never work a day if you really enjoy what you love. That's or right. if, you, if you work doing what you enjoy, whatever. It sounds, um, like that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never get these these phrases right. Someone's going to call me on it eventually. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's I try to turn everything into a job that I enjoy because then it, it keeps me young, Gunner. Yeah, I love it. I, I could, Your uh, wife posted a photo on social media or changed her uh, uh, profile photo of a very, speaking of young, very young you uh, with uh, a very uh, – Thinner beard than what you got now. How, what did you? How long ago was that picture? Do you know what picture I'm talking about? That was like two, two or three years ago. Gunner, how old do you think I? You, I've well, your beard looks mean, much more manlier now it than was, it did like three no, years ago. No, it was beefier yeah. then. I, I think it's just died now. Thanks for exposing me, Gunner. But uh, I think it's just a little bit darker. <laughs> you want you dye your beard, dude? My beard here, here is uh This is the most important part of the episode right here. My beard grows in like four different colors, so it's okay. it's naturally like a darker black. But then okay. it's also like red, brown, and now I've gotten a lot of gray as well. So, for the sake of not having a tie dye beard, I, I yeah. uh, will add some color to it just okay. just to make it one solid thing and not all. I, I could deal if, if I got a buddy who has a really nice beard and it's it's black, but he's got a lot of whites coming in. I could deal with that, but it's that yeah. I've got like four different colors. It looks literally like a tie dye shirt. I mean, it's yeah. I, well, I think coloring it, I mean, kind of makes it fill in a little bit better too. You know, I, I'm jealous of those guys that, uh, that can grow a full beard. I wish I could. I really do. Voice of the bird. God breaking news. Tyler, the vainest host on the kickoff <laughs> in the Valley podcast. Oh my goodness. Uh, producer Adam, get me there. All right. Well, Gunner, did you see? Let's before we get into last well, game. Right? Not the vein is toast. What? Yeah. Well, he's saying, you know, I need like a make. I we got to put me in a makeup chair, doll me up, you know, dye oh, the beard. Yeah, I know he's bashing me hard. <laughs> but uh, and I'm quickly pivoting to. Uh, did you see last? Obviously, we're taping this on a Tuesday. Do you see Monday Night Football? Yeah. That fan that that. I just expect that you do this at some point. Like, have you ever in your life ran onto a field during a game, whether it be no, high school, college? I'm not, I'm not gutsy enough. I'm one of those like that think. I'm, I'm a forward thinker. I know I, I think out the repercussions of a lot of things. That's why I don't 
that's why I don't go jogging out, out around my neighborhood. I've seen Dahmer. I don't want some dude eating my heart or my testicles or anything. You know, I, I always think out and think <laughs> worst case scenario, right? So yeah. if I jump out of that field, you know, I, I mean, something could happen. Like what happened with, you know, Bobby Wagner taking out that dude, uh, uh, whatever he was advertising, holding that, uh, that pink smoke. Yeah, that, that, uh, those smoke bombs. Those are pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Those are, those are a little yeah, neat. I mean, yeah, if you're looking to get attention, might as well run on a uh, onto a football field with a smoke. What are those well, like, reveal smoke things? Probably not a good idea to run on the field with a smoke bomb when there's like, a bunch of cops with guns yeah, and all that yeah. type stuff. Probably a bad idea, but I've seen them on social media, like the the videos that people do or photo shoots, and they use those and yeah. it just makes for really good pictures. But well, the whole um, time I was watching that, I'm like, okay, so the Rams are frustrated, you know, and he, this guy on the San Francisco field is running over to the Rams sideline. It's probably not the smartest move right there. And then obviously we saw it, Bobby Wagner and whoever else, there was another dude that, uh, that kind of went after the guy, but Bobby yeah. Wagner's getting most of the credit for taking the yeah. dude down. He set the edge for sure. Do you watch the uh, Manning cast or do you watch the regular? ESPN? I don't, I watch the regular broadcast. I don't ever watch the Manning cast. I, I don't know the side commentary. Is it good or no? I wish I could have a mixture of both. Like I wish I could have like a lead anchor that really guides the conversation, kind of like a producer, Adam, that kind of, you know, keeps us on track. Yeah. And then I have the, the fricking frack of Peyton and Eli, like that's us. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I like Peyton. I think Peyton adds a lot. Eli sometimes I'm okay with, but a lot of times he's just, I don't know. Like Eli's not my taste of, of commentator, but yeah. you know, it, it is funny. It is a good, uh, good little show they do, but they were doing play by play of that. And they're really to credit for the whole reason that, that, that footage was put out there because ESPN wasn't showing it. And Peyton just like goaded them into like playing that footage. And yeah. so now it went out everywhere. You know, NFL doesn't like showing things like that. They don't want to show what? a player knocking out a fan, regardless if the fan was an idiot or not. Right. Which I mean, the reason they don't broadcast is because they don't want copycat situations. But I yeah. mean, I think, I th I say they just broadcast it now. I don't. I mean, th their attempt to try and not do the copycat, you know, to prevent that from happening, they try. They do it year yeah, round. I mean, they, it happens every year. The video ends up on the internet anyway. Yeah. You know. So yeah, too many people have cell phones and. Yeah. <laughs> I say you broadcast that going forward. But what were they? So what were they saying about the video they, with the dude on the field? Or they just they just asked to see it, and that's why it they asked to see it. So then that's how we we got to see it. And then they were really funny about you know commenting on Bobby Wagner laying the hit. So it yeah. was good. If you haven't seen it, you got to go on Twitter and find that video. Uh, but to pivot from the Manning cast to the Manning cast curse, uh, NFL players that have appeared on the Manning cast that have had a game the following week are one in seven the following week. One and seven. So they have they have players during the broadcast. They'll uh, interview, interview players throughout the broadcast. And then yeah. when those players play the following week, they've typically lost. They're one and seven uh, combined okay. uh, record there. So uh, did you hear or see who they had on this week? I saw Jalen Hurts was on there, wasn't he? Jalen Hurts, the quarterback <laughs> of the Philadelphia Eagles, who are yeah. rolling to town this weekend. Well, let's hope that uh, that curse continues. You know, yeah. that'll be uh, that'll be good. I wonder, I wonder what it is. You know, coincidental, probably. Anything yeah. else you kind of like overthink it, here as to why? It's just, uh, like the, it's just like the Cardinals can't win at home. You know, it's just it, it's one of those things. It's not. Yeah. I don't think there's anything you take into it. It just just coincidentally happened. But we were talking about famous curses in football, mm -hmm. and the most notable, the Madden curse, right? 
with the uh, yeah. whoever's on the cover of the the yeah. in the football game. Yeah. Yeah, and that has taken one extra step because I believe, like, I think you told me offline that I know I haven't bought a Manning cover in a long time, but I believe the last one was Tom Brady and Mahomes. Is that what we, what we said? Yeah, last year was Tom Brady and Mahomes. And breaking news today as we record this, I think it was TMZ or someone reported Tom Brady heading for divorce. Oh, so not an injury, but yeah, they, they, well, the report says they both hired divorce attorneys. Yeah, well, they're up, baby. They both got a lot of money. Giselle, I think, has way more money than Tom. Just got to protect her assets. I love how uh, her money. I love how Antonio Brown is kind of um, egging, egging this whole situation on. The New York Post posted that video or that uh, photo of his blurred out junk, you know, in that hotel pool. <laughs> And you know, there's a lot of comments, you know, so why, like, no wonder Giselle and Tom are, are having issues. And, you know, there's that whole strand of comments going on. And then Antonio Brown posts a photo of him and Giselle hugging. Oh, yeah, the- they were real close to that photo, too. Hey, that was, yeah. uh, uh, I, it, it, that if, dude, if Antonio man. Brown was holding your wife like that and posted on social media, Gunner, what, how would you feel? I don't know. I mean, yeah, hug. I don't know. Is that normal? Like, I mean, their team looks like it, it, was it after after a Super Bowl or something? I mean, that's what it looked like. Yeah, it looks like it was after the Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, wasn't Tom Brady the ringleader and getting Antonio Brown to uh, to Tampa, right? So they're good friends, they're pals, allegedly. Yeah. But now, now you've seen Antonio Brown kind of come for Brady's neck a few times. So <laughs> yeah, who knows? But I, I just, I think it's hysterical. It's a fun, you know, Antonio Brown. He's he's lost his mind. Uh, you know, whether it's CTE or whatever they're blaming it, him losing his mind on. I think he's just Nothing. not regardless. But, yeah, yeah, you probably won't see him back in the NFL again, I would imagine. Um, real quick, I want to get to some Cardinal news before we bring in our special guest yeah. for this episode. Injury updates. Uh, last game, you had uh, Vigil leave. You had Pew leave. You had Prater. Hoss was dealing with some hip issues. He wasn't able to kick. You know, Benjamin filled in on some of those kickoffs. What's, what yeah, ends up with this year where you get these players that are non-kickers uh, and kicking well, like you know, Benjamin. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't struggle. I mean, he looked pretty good, all things considered. Um, now the Cardinals did bring in a kicker today. It broke right before we started recording this. Matt Amendola was signed to the practice squad. Amendola was recently part of the Chiefs organization. He was filling in for Harrison uh, Butker. Mm-hmm. Um, so his career, he's 69% field goal percentage, 89% extra points. So pretty money from extra point, but he has struggled with kicks longer than 40 yards where he is only converted of two of eight. So a whopping 25%. So kind of reason to be concerned there to a degree. I know Prater hasn't necessarily been automatic over the last two seasons, but, uh, really started to struggle last year. But ultimately, I mean, you need someone to fill in the job. I saw they brought in a few. I really wanted Rodrigo from uh, used to be with the Colts with the oh. the eye goggles. Rodrigo blanket chip. <laughs> yeah, they brought is he, him in. He is available. Well, yeah, they brought him in yesterday, and and I thought he would be a good fit. But uh, oh. no, Rod, no Rodrigo. I would get okay. behind Rodrigo. The Cardinals need some gimmicks like that. You know what I mean? He's a good kicker. Yeah. But- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Um, they got to get every point they can get, I think, this weekend. So, I mean, obviously they felt better, uh, you know, for the guy they signed than uh, Rodrigo. So, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, But, yeah, so so it looks like Prater's not going to play this week. I would imagine uh, they'll probably, you know, elevate Amendola once once, later in the week here. But some positive news on the injury front. Uh, we don't have updates yet on Pew or Vigil, but positive news coming back designation from IR, which means they can just start practicing. I think they need to come back within like 21 days or something like that. Some, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's around 20, 20 something days. Uh, Antonio Hamilton, the corner who was supposed to be the other starting corner. And for all things considered, Cliff said on Monday uh, was probably the best corner in the corner room mm-hmm. uh, until he had that kitchen uh, accident. Uh Antoine Wesley, the wide receiver, adds some length with A.J. Green out. It's good to see him start to practice here soon. And then uh, uh, Colt McCoy to back up Kyler Murray. If we ever need someone to fill in, Colt McCoy did show that he can do that pretty well last season. So the reinforcements are coming uh, for the Cardinals. Good. Any kind of help we can get, man. Uh, You know, we got two more games to get through before we get uh, uh, D-Hop back. Yeah. Let's get yep. there. Getting healthy, man. Getting, getting healthy at the right time, especially when you're, you're batting 500. Well, with that said, let's bring in our guest for this episode, Mr. Alex Clancy from the Locked on Cardinals podcast. Great podcast. I've done some shows with Alex in the past uh, for like our draft party and our uh, we've also had him on for like the schedule release. Alex is a very opinionated Cardinal cover. He, he uh, You follow him on Twitter, and I love it. Personally, me and Alex the other day had a had a love moment uh, where where we just saw eye to eye. On, I can't remember <laughs> what the topic was, but um, it, it's Alex has a very passionate fan base, which is what I love, and it's kind of how the Cardinals fan base rolls. There's times where you see people just riding with Alex, like I do, and then there's times, and I I get this way too. We're like, I'm gonna mute Alex because he's pissing me <laughs> off. Things he's um, I actually got a text one day from a buddy, and he goes, and Alex, I didn't share this with you, but he goes, who's this Alex Clancy? And I said, oh, he's been locked on. You know, he's great. He goes, I don't like him because he's he, it was it was after the uh, – what game did we lose last? Um, Rams. The Rams. Yeah, it was after the Rams game. And, and he was – one of my buddies was uh, not a fan of yours with the, the harsh takes you had, which we're going to get into right now. But, Alex, uh, thanks for having you – or thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, of course, man. We have more than a couple moments of seeing eye to eye, buddy. Oh, I know. we're going to touch on a few of them right now. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. Do it. We, I think you and I actually see eye to eye a lot more than, than we don't. So, um, and I think for Cardinal fans, as you listen to this, it's, it's one of those things like, yeah, Alex is negative, but I'm negative too. And you sh- you're allowed to be negative as a fan. Like, I think, I think people get too stuck on, oh, if you say something negative about the team, well then go cheer on another team. No, you, you can have expectations for your team. Over in Carolina right now, they have no expectation for their team. That's not fun. So ultimately, but I want to dive into this. On Sunday, um, Alex, we saw Kyler Murray get visibly frustrated. And I'll be honest, I didn't see this footage. I had heard about it. We had talked about it on our postgame pod, but I didn't get to see it. I was a little busy with our little party we were putting on. But um, it seemed like it was centered all around the play calling and, and the calls not coming in quick enough. Um, I saw you tweeted out the video. That's where I found it today. And then I saw the second video. So I saw the video you tweeted out, which was, I don't know which feed that was, but it didn't show Cliff's response to Kyler getting pissed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Cliff's response was like, no poop. Uh, And (laughs) 
<laughs> and fired back at Kyler. What, what do you make of this? We keep talking about this Kyler-Cliff relationship, and, and I almost feel like it's centered around, like, that's the problem. That these two, it is not a mentor to mentee. It is almost like two peers, and that's the problem. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Cliff, and, and there are conflicting reports on why Cliff Kingsbury was hired. If Cliff Kingsbury was hired to not coach Kyler Murray, that makes it even more of a question of why is he here? You know, like, he brought Kyler Murray in, He's supposed to be the Sherpa to the mountaintop that is being an elite quarterback for Kyler Murray. And I think he's doing an okay job, but I think that he's uh, one of my things that I say that, you know, upsets people like, and I don't say things to upset people. I don't say things for clicks or anything like that. Kyler Murray wins in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that's what it's been pretty much since Kyler was drafted. And I think now, Cliff's expecting Kyler Murray to be at a specific spot in his plight to be a great quarterback. And I don't know if this is going to become an oil and water situation, but I don't think, I think that, you know, this was one thing that happens a lot with coaches and, and players, and we don't see it cut on tape all the time, but this was Kyler Murray. Like, let's hurry this the hell up. And Cliff's saying, I'm trying to, but it's not working. And, and, and I don't know what it is, man. I don't, I don't know if it's on Kyler. I see the fan base really kind of, turning on Kyler. It's one or the other. This offseason was a confirmation bias for the front office or Kyler Murray. If, if you sided with them before, you sided with your side even more after this offseason and the start of this season. So I don't know what the hell it is. And I think that's a big problem with all of us covering the team or being fans of the team is we don't know what's wrong. It could be so many different things and you could have, the, there's sectors of the fan base that blame a specific entity over others. Uh, following up on this, uh, Alex, you have a pin tweet on your Twitter, and I think it, it touches right on what you're going with right now with, with that response is it's the offense. If the offense isn't the strength of the Arizona Cardinals, why is Cliff Kingsbury here? And I, I just think when I read that, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, we, when we talk about this, I've dubbed Cliff the offense or the coaching offensive guru. And, and ultimately, this team and as I get into Steve Kime a little bit, clearly he pushed all of his eggs in the offensive basket after spending a few years of drafting top, you know, what he felt was top talent in the early rounds of the draft for the defense. Decided, you know what, let's go all in offense. You look at the Bills, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Rams, you look at a lot of these teams. Now they do have defensive, better defensive parts, but you look at them offensively, it's high scoring. The rules have now totally catered to the offense. When you look at all of that and, and you kind of see that that's what the Cardinals were trying to do, um, looks like they've swung and missed a little bit. But with your pin tweet there, I, I mean, you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. And this is something that um, I wish wasn't true. You know, I, I don't want to be discussing a lot of topics that I discuss on the podcast and on Twitter and stuff. I want Cliff to succeed. I do because it's better – I mean, selfishly, it's better for business. If you're talking about positive things, you're talking about <laughs> things working in cohesive units. But I find that with Steve Kime as the puppet master, people are starting to have Stockholm Syndrome for what's going on in Arizona. And it's like a lot of what happens doesn't make sense. And, and Cliff Kingsbury seems to be the face of that. And, you know, I, I tweeted out over the weekend that the Cardinals defense has been the strength since 2019. And I got you know, some stuff back and with numbers and everything. And from 2019, they haven't been on the field for over half the game. Time of possession is 
And it's not that they were scoring a lot. Time of possession is a huge thing. And I feel like the stability from this organization is on the defensive side of the ball, led by Vance Joseph. And it's Vance is getting a lot of flack. And this is kind of another storyline where Vance is going to be the scapegoat if things go wrong, because he wasn't given any new tools, anything except for the except for Steve Kimes draft capital that hadn't really panned out in the positions they were set to play. Things have gotten a lot better. And you could say chicken or the egg. Is it Zayvon Collins getting better? Or is it Vance Joseph elevating the talent that he has on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, these are just constant storylines that, that we're discussing and people are picking sides. They're not meant to be debatable. We just don't know what the root of the instability at times is. And I think Cliff, me personally, I just don't think he elevates the talent that he has. Well, and that's – okay, so defensively on my side, I, I kind of felt like Vance has had the same problem. He's not really developing talent either. Now, mm. I think he's making the most – out of the other depth around that talent for a minute. I almost thought this was like a real life money ball where Kaim decided I'm not going to give you any pieces. I'm going to trade Hicks away or, or let Hicks go. Uh, and I'm going to, to basically leave you with the guys I drafted because I keep getting hit for, for the negative criticism of my draft picks, but you're not playing them either. So ultimately how am I supposed to get the recognition if these guys are riding on the pine. So I almost felt that's where we were going. And uh, I was saying the same thing, that that Vance was going to be the scapegoat if this thing goes sour, which right now through through four games, it's it's hard to see where we're at. I mean, with all things considered, this looks like a really bad football team that's been able to muster two wins. Um, but, you know, I did have to recant a little bit after Sunday. I felt like the defense – did all that you could ask of them. And they did all that you could ask of them against the Rams as well. Like if the offense mm-hmm. just would have moved, then then this team could have could have won that game as well. But um, let's talk about a bright spot on the offense. Yeah. Hollywood Brown, you know, you traded your first overall pick for him this year. A lot of fans were like, yeah, he needs help. He's going to need, or Kyler needs help. He's going to need more receiver help. And when the trade happened, there was a lot of talks of Hollywood Brown with the dropsies and uh, just just not being a, a, a definite number one receiver. I think a lot of people looked at him as being a number two. But these past couple of games, from the targets that he's seen, the receptions he's pulling down, the yardage, the, the scores, Hollywood Brown, I mean, with Hop waiting in the wings, you almost look like you got two number one guys. What, what do you think about Hollywood Brown and the difference that's made for Kyler Murray? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's like, oh, okay, it works. It's one of those things where it's not like, you know, a first date spark, and then you go out a couple more times, you're like, nah, wasn't really what it was like on the first date. Like, he caught a touchdown pass against Kansas City, even though it was in garbage time. It was cut in a tight window towards the back of the end zone, like a Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett kind of area of, of the back of the end zone. And then... Week two with the Rams, you know, or I was sorry, week two against the Raiders, he got his targets. And then week three, you know, we saw what happened in week three. And then, you know, week four was like, as much as I don't like the third and goal, you know, back shoulder Christian Kirk throws to the pylon, like he's now caught two of those that were very difficult catches, one against the Raiders on fourth down that should have been a touchdown and the other one that was a touchdown last week. Like that's that works. And my biggest issue with them, it was never about, them trading for Hollywood Brown. It was the fact that they needed O-line help, edge help, uh, linebacker help, and corner help way more than they need wide receiver help. And we saw now that the offensive line help first-round pick, Tyler Linderbaum was there. I know Rodney Hudson came back, but you could have played him at guard 
You could have had him learn under Rodney Hudson. He's going to be a perennial pro bowler that they could have had to protect the inside of the offensive line for Kyler Murray. But Hollywood, it, it works. And with DeAndre Hopkins coming back, it's going to open everything up. It'll kind of – the only thing with Hollywood Brown performing so well is he shares an agent with A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and D.K. Metcalf. None of those guys played through their rookie-scale contract. So there's no way on this planet or another one where if this continues and he has a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns that he's going to play on his fifth-year option that Steve kind picked up. Ain't no way. He's going to want a big money deal. He's not going to get the Debo money. He won't get the A.J. Brown money, but he's going to get a lot of money, and then you're going to have to decide, are you going to pay $50 million between DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown next season? Like, Because that's a situation that they're going to be looking at in the face, and it will depend on if DeAndre Hopkins wants to restructure and retire a Cardinal, or you might have to say goodbye to one of them. Yeah, But, I, I mean, think- this year, the, the, the bright spot is, yeah. I mean – it's, it's illuminating the offense because it's really the only thing, probably aside from Zach Gertz and his consistent as gravity output, that's that's working, working. I, I think when they made that trade, it pretty much sealed the fate of DeAndre Hopkins and this team going forward, right? Hmm. I, I think they got a little bit burned by that suspension. And Hopkins is, I believe he's on the other side of 30 now, right? And I think he's 30. I don't know if he's 31 30, yet. 30 but I mean... But if but there is a restructure possibility. Like if he wants to retire a Cardinal, if he likes living in Arizona, if he likes Kyler Murray, if he likes all these things, and if he thinks they can win a ring, he'll stay. Like I think he's that kind of guy where it's like the problem is they always love the money. It always yeah. comes down to the, any player. It comes down to the kizash. But well, and he's a one percenter too. Yeah, Andrew Hopkins is a one percenter when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, last question for you. Yep. Uh, after the Niners knocked off the Rams on Monday, uh, the Seahawks putting up big points against the Lions and getting a W. Everybody sits at two and two in the division, which I think when when Week One ended, everyone was like, "Okay, this is a little funky," but ultimately, we're, people are going to separate here, and it's it's going to come down to probably two or three teams in this division. Um, we're a quarter of the way theoretically through the season here, so with that being said, looking at the division, what are you making out of the NFC West as a whole? it's been yucky so far. I'll tell you what, it's been, it's been a yuck fest. Like the people are saying the AFC is going to be the deepest. I think the NFC playoff picture is going to be the deepest. It's just going to be gross. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be watching a boring movie in science class, as opposed to watching, you know, Disney on ice when you're six with like what the AFC is going to be. Yeah, but you, you, you think it is going to be a bunch of like eight, nine, and ten win teams? Yeah, dude. Like you pick one team that you trust in the NFC right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the the entity I probably trust the most is San Francisco's defense. Out of the mm-hmm. NFC, like if you're going to pick one side of the ball that is consistent as gravity through four, San Francisco's defense has been that, and I think that they have an upgrade with Jimmy G as quarterback. At least the floor is higher. Like I'm picking at through four weeks, I think San Francisco will win the division. I, I do. I mean, because it's boring on offense, they've got 48 running backs, they've got Debo Samuel, and they've got the best defense, potentially 1-11 to 11 if, you know, with, with health concerns aside in the NFL. Like, they they scare me more than the Rams do right now. The Rams look like garbage against the Cardinals. The, the Rams could have put up a 30-burger <laughs> against the Cardinals easy, but it doesn't seem like things are really flowing. Matthew Stafford looks yeah. terrible. You know, so how I make it, I hope that, like, the, the, the you know, all joking aside and, and all that stuff aside, Seattle's no longer two easy wins for each team. And I think that really throws a, a, a wrench into projections for the teams. Like, the Cardinals played the Seahawks two times in four weeks, I think. 
two times in five weeks. I think it may go Philly, Seattle, New Orleans, Seattle. I I, I know it's right around there. So those are no longer like, oh, cool, the Cardinals are going to win it. They're going to get at least two in the division. We have no idea. And you can say the same for the rest of the division opponents. So it's a mess, but it's going to be fun as hell. That's uh, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Alex, appreciate you coming on. Get your uh, plugs in. Yeah, you follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Um, YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube comments are incredible. Just for fun reading. Just <laughs> go to Locked On Cardinals and watch these videos and look at the YouTube comments. I've got quite a following. It's fun. Well, and, and if you follow Alex on Twitter, uh, during the half times of every game, he does a really oh, good yeah. halftime show that that I've jumped in and, and uh, love to take part of and listen to. So, if, if you want some breakdown on the cards mid-game, definitely go check that out as well. So, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals, thanks for joining, bud. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, man. Yeah, no, Alex is great, man. He he, he really is a good follow on Twitter. Uh, a lot of good content coming out from him. Now, before we look forward to to the game ahead, let's just talk yeah. about, now. But by now, all the PF, PFF grades, Pro Football Focus grades have come out. Snap counts have come out. Uh, I'm going to just give you some of these numbers. Let's talk defense first. Isaiah Simmons, uh, he was in for – he made the biggest jump. So when you look at the snap count, he was the one that, like, glaringly stood out. He played 43 snaps. That was 83% of the snaps. Now, most of that was because Nick Vigil got hurt and he left the game, but it was good to see Isaiah Simmons after a few weeks of just not being very involved, other than obviously knocking out that uh, big fumble to to beat the Raiders – uh, you're starting to see some of these young guys get, get some run. Trayvon Mullen, who we traded for from the Raiders, who we've been waiting to help that corner room out, he played 18 snaps. So that's the most snaps he's played in a long time as he's been uh, pretty beat up. Marco Wilson played all but one snap, and for a lot of sake, people think he's been a liability the last couple of, you know, between last year, second half of the year, and, and this year. He, he, I mean, he's getting some run. You, you do know that, that again, we're getting guys that are coming back off, off IR. You're getting Trayvon Mullen, who's starting to play. So who knows if that will continue with Marco. But, you know, playing all but one snap sure does help his cause. Then when you look at the PFF grades on defense, Zach Allen, this guy, we talked about him last week. And I said, we got to give him his flowers. You're not hearing his name a lot. He hasn't got a lot of sacks or anything, but he is – he is causing – he's wreaking havoc, right? Like he had a bunch of tip balls on Sunday. I think he had at least two, maybe three. Um, Zach Allen, he graded out at 82.2 uh, with PFF. He was also in the top 10. He was number 10 ESPN's pass rush win rates. So that's that's a couple weeks in a row now where he is, he is finding his way in the backfield, which ultimately is helping his other teammates get to the quarterback and, and just cause havoc and, and really free up those corners, right? It helps out those weaker parts of the defense. And then the last one, or, or there's two others I want to mention, By- Byron Murphy, 73.5 grade on PFF. Uh, versus the Panthers wide receivers, he allowed two receptions on seven targets for only 15 yards. So he shut down Devontae Adams of the Raiders. Uh, and, and that was one of his, you know, real coming out parties this season. Now this week, does it again, you know, just, just holding the top players and not letting a lot of lot of damage happen to the Cardinals uh, defensively, uh, you know he's shoring up that defense. Now he also uh, on three targets to DJ Moore he allowed zero catches and only one for eight yards to Robbie Anderson. So the top two receivers of the Panthers completely just shut down uh, when Byron Murphy was covering him. The Barbarian De- De- Dennis Gardeck, huge seventy one point one. This guy runs 
hard mile, you know, hundred miles an hour on defense. He's just flying. So defensively, like we said, this defense has definitely stepped up. Yeah. And I, it's going to be a defensive battle, man. And hearing those numbers and, you know, as we look ahead to the Eagles and their defense and in those numbers and looking at, uh, you know, our former linebacker, Hassan Reddick, who's playing on the Eagles and his numbers, it's going to be a defensive battle, man. And I look at those 49 points that uh, Vegas has on, on the over under the total points scored. And, you know, I would, with the defensive battle, you kind of got to go under, right? Especially with uh, well, let's with, save that thought till th- till uh, Friday's show, though. Let's not make your official pick on the under over. Well, that's what I think. I, I mean, you threw out the defensive. No, you threw out the defensive numbers, right? <laughs> which are they're impressive, right? That's why we're talking about them. You yeah. know, and I just was kind of looking at uh, glancing over at the Eagles' numbers, and they got a great defense as well with with Reddick and his. Uh, he's got the most strip sacks in uh, the NFL it. with ten since twenty twenty. You know, always just looking to make a buck. I love it. I respect <laughs> that. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. I, I mean, I'm really bummed the Cardinals weren't able to bring him back this year. There was a lot of talk that when we let Chandler Jones go, that they would make a play to bring him back, a younger guy that you could give some big money to versus extending someone like a Chandler Jones who's a little bit older. And everything coming out of out of Las Vegas, I always want to say Oakland, but everything coming out of Las Vegas, you see, you read the articles. If you search Chandler Jones's name and Las Vegas Raiders, all you yeah. read is man, what a waste of money that was. So that's where Cardinal fans, like, I get, we get attached to certain players, but when they make a, when they move on, right, sometimes it's the right thing. Like, it's not necessarily always, oh, yeah, but they're going to go tear it up somewhere else. You got to look at the length of the contract, the money they got. Yes, Christian Kirk right now, killing it for for the Jags, but that was a lot of money. And, And to bank on him to have that success, it's tough. So yeah. there, there, you have, you'll have the Christian Kirks of the world, but then you also have the Chandler Jones of the world where sometimes it's smart to let those guys walk. And other times, yeah, would you love to have them? Sure. Um, let's talk about offensively in that game. Trey McBride played 32 of 76 snaps. This is after virtually not playing like at all for the offense. And that was ahead of Max Williams in, in the tight end room. So good to see, I give Cliff a lot of crap, especially for being an offensive guru, but good to see him get Trey McBride involved. And, and, you know, he was the number one tight end and a lot say other than Kyle Pitts over the last couple of years was probably one of the top tight ends in the draft over the last few years. Um, so you're expecting him to make a big impact and, and really get in there and become like a Zach Ertz 2.0. Rondell Moore played 65 snaps. So this guy's been hurt. They said they wanted to make big use out of him uh, right away. He got in there. Now, what I'll say the negative to that, we talked about this a week or two ago. I said the minute Rondell Moore comes back, they're either going to split the carries between Dorch and him, or Dorch is significantly going to take a, a hit, which, you know me, mandatory flowers for Greg Dorch. I love Greg Dorch. <laughs> Greg Dorch, his snaps went down to 27. So out of 76 offensive snaps, he played like third. Um, not good to see, considering he just catches everything. And the, the one target he had, he caught, because yeah. that's all he does is catch things. Rondell Moore was getting jet stream it was it was a mess uh between the the sweeps in the backfield to the the passes behind the line of scrimmage I, cliff just doesn't know how to use rondell Moore. it feels like but the pf uh pff grades on the offense um hollywood brown 80.3 just keeps tearing up eno benjamin 80.1 and then zacherts 74.2 so the guys that a couple of them had pretty bad weeks last week zacherts dropped a couple balls um so it's good good to see him really bounce back. 
uh, for the cards. I had another note about Eno Benjamin that I want to cover. He's averaging five yards a carry on 22 rushes. That's 15th in the NFL gunner. Mm. Feed Eno. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Um, uh, Ertz, though, coming into this week, man, it's his former team. You know, so I think he's going to play a little bit harder. I think I think there's a little something to prove there, man. I would hope, but I just feel like he's too in love with Philly. He actually took, and you don't usually see this, but he took a media call with all the Philly media on Monday. Did he? And, yeah, and okay. it's just like I get it. You played there; it's your home. You love it, but I don't know. I mean, he's, I, I think he's going to want to play. He's probably he's probably going to tell Cliff that, hey, put me in as I much hope. as you can. I hope. I hope that's yeah. the case. Yeah, um, I mean. Uh, yeah, the the Eagles. They've been uh, what they they played their for their former coach last week. You know, with or was it no? It wasn't last week. It was Jacksonville? Yeah, it was last week. Uh, yeah, Peterson. yeah, Peterson. Yeah. So now uh, they, they beat their former coach, and there was a beam that I saw online. It's the only reason I bring this up is uh, that uh, they uh, they played Carson Wentz, beat him. You know, in Washington, Doug Peterson. Beat him in with Jacksonville, and now the the next door for the uh, the Grim Reaper to uh, to approach and uh, give a bloodbath to a Zach Ertz with the, uh, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. And they had Deuce Daly Week One with the Lions too, so you have a lot of uh, oh, Eagles and then Jay, Jalen yeah. Rieger, uh with Rieger. The, uh, the Vikings too. Yeah, yeah, you had a lot of former Eagles tied to the teams they beat. Yeah. Um, before we, I tied. I got a lot of or two or three notes on the Eagles. Before we get into that, one other things I want to kind of touch on is I just talked about Edo Benjamin and, and being 15th in the NFL and how we need to get him some touches. Also, Daryl Williams, he's averaging six and a half yards of carry. Like, I get, we talked about this on, on the postgame show. Connor does not look, I'm just assuming, is it fully healthy? He's been on the injury report, had some ankle issues. You have two guys behind him that are both averaging over five yards of carry. Mm-hmm. run these other guys um the cardinals have the worst first half offense in the nfl but they have the second uh they have the best second half offense in the league so how about that jekyll and hyde between two halves that's per uh pro football focus and then the last piece was kyler murray on pace to throw an nfl record 735 passes this season gutter it's good man i mean we we need him to I just think that you got to run the ball more, though. Going back to the first part about, you know, Daryl Williams, you think like, I don't think you want him running that or throwing that many times. But maybe. Uh, You know, I mean, I'm a fan of Kyler using his legs, but, you know. uh, You saw saw it Sunday, right? He ran over over 10 times again. He's now 10 and 1 in his career. He runs over 10 times. Yeah. For 26 yards. I want to see him more than 26 yards, though, man. I, you know, I mean, if they're going to win, they got to use his legs. No, I, I agree. Hey, I, I got a note here on the Eagles that I think you're going to appreciate uh, before we wrap this episode and look forward, look ahead to our Eagles show on Friday. Um, you see this here in the chat, Gunner. I'll let yeah. you handle this one because I think you're going to, you'll really gravitate to this. Well, the Eagles have now won six straight games versus animal mascot teams. I saw this. I'm like, man, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is like somebody's got too much time on their hands to be breaking this stuff down, you know. So I mean, six straight games versus animal mascot teams. Next up, the Cardinals this Sunday. They broke a six-game losing streak against other bird teams last year when they beat the Falcons Week One, but haven't played any bird teams since. It, hashtag analytics. I somebody's got way too much time on their hands, man. <laughs> to be breaking it down that far with the mascots. 
Hey, baby, that's the only content you're going to find here when we kick off in the Valley. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Cardinals currently five and a half point underdogs, like I, we said on Sunday, but I, I imagine that will change a little bit more as we get closer. I mean, um, that's what you said on Sunday, man. It hadn't changed it. hadn't changed yeah, at all. Yeah. Still five and a half. We're still early in the week. I, I think it'll move as we get later in the week. And, and I think the Cardinals will go down to, you know, six and a half or seven, somewhere in there. Um, producer Adam, the bird God, do you have anything for us today? Don't uh, look past the animal analytics. You know what I mean? Those, those kind of stats, they can come back to haunt you a little bit. I think when fan bases start to pull on those types of threads, you got to really pump the brakes. Uh, would you guys now, let's just, we'll close out on this. We know we're going to do our full preview on Friday, taking a look at that Eagles matchup. But where are we from a confidence level? You just had on a great guest talking about in depth, the Cardinals, the state of the quarterback and the head coach. Are we building towards that Cliff Kingsbury on his way out moment, as as Gunner had talked about last week, or is this manageable as we work our way through the season? Because it doesn't look like this team's going to be better than 500, at least in the short term. I, I think you still have a long season, right? And I, I think again, the Cardinals are starting to get healthy. You're having guys coming back from IR. You're going to have Hopkins back in two weeks. We, we put this as, as the baseline. You got to be 500. You got to be three and three through week six. And at that point, the schedule hopefully gets a little bit better and uh, you'll be, you'll have all your cards in the deck, so to speak. I think Kingsbury, you know, I mean, obviously the, the win on Sunday kind of saved him, you know I mean? Cause I was kind of on the, uh, the, the whole train that if they lose, he's going to lose his job. But I mean, we, we saw that stat on Sunday about the Cardinals being the worst team uh, in first quarter points. Um, and you know, who, who creates the the plays in the first quarter? It's Kingsbury, right? He creates that plan. They, they, they stick to the game plan and you look at, Hey, Cardinals, are the worst team of the first quarter. I mean, somebody has got to make the connection there to, uh, to, to figure it out. I mean, if Kingsbury's plan is not working, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, proof of point there, Kingsbury's plans are what has played out in the first quarter. It's not working. Worst scoring team in the first quarter. You know, he, he said it, I, I think Monday, it was a Monday or Sunday after the game, but he had said, like, I just need to call better plays. And he finally said, I, which thank God, I wish he would have pivoted to, to a, a positive <laughs> note, but he did take some blame so, there. So he did take the blame. So yeah, there is, yeah, we can now point fingers, you know, I mean, if, if things don't change, fingers are being pointed at him. You know, well, and he doesn't he doesn't have the best delivery because if he would have pivoted to something like as, oh, yeah, I, I need to call better plays, but we got adjusted. Hollywood Brown did his thing, you know, blah, 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 yeah. posted all the, the positive. But all he did was now put a target on his back by by taking that blame, yeah. like you're saying. I mean, yeah, Which, so. I mean, we're going to find out on Sunday if things change, because I mean, the uh, the Cardinals going to go down real quick. Uh, and, and fall behind in points real quick. The Eagles have scored 24 points in the first half of each of their first three games. Cardinals don't score 19. points until the second half. Is that again? I want to come in here, Bird God, voice of the Bird God. 19 total first half points for the Arizona Cardinals in all four of their games. So you just, you just highlighted four. that you could put four games together for the first halves and the Eagles would still yeah. beat the Arizona Cardinals yeah. With just one of some of their production. So, so big uphill battle here for the Cardinals, potentially. Huge uphill battle. And, I mean, I guess our only hope here is that, uh, you know, hopefully the Eagles are kind of looking past the Cardinals and on to the Cowboys, who 
Uh, they play the following week in week six, and the, the Cowboys. Big divisional matchup for them. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. they are looking ahead. Well, and the Cowboys are number five in the power rankings, according to uh, one of the dudes on uh, ESPN, Max, uh, whatever the hell his name is. Max now, he, yeah, he created his own power rankings. He's got uh, the Eagles at number one, Cowboys at number five. So, hopefully we can, uh, you know, catch them with their pants down, if you know, as they say, uh, this Sunday, as they uh, are hopefully looking past uh, the Cardinals. Well, that is it for our midweek show. Coming up on Friday, we will have Elliot Shore Parks from the Go Birds podcast. That is uh, Odyssey Sports Eagles podcast. So we will go behind enemy lines and talk to him about those Eagles. We'll go a little more in depth on some of those numbers and uh, look ahead to that game on Sunday. For Gunner, I am Tyler with Bird Gang Travel. Make sure you like, listen, subscribe, share everywhere you get podcasts and if you need a cheat code to find it go to cardinalspodcast.com and always kick off in the valley